and welcome to Woven in Truth podcast. I'm Kaylee Drescher, hosting for Mallory Melchipros today. And we have Jana Lusk here with us this morning. Jana, welcome. Thank you so much, Kaylee. I'm super, super excited to be here. So thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your trip to San Diego. Yeah, so I'm visiting from Denver. Um, I've planned something to look forward to. So wanted to go to the beach. I've been telling people this is kind of my eat, pray, love trip. Love so it. yeah, I'm having a, a blast. Love San Diego. That's so awesome. We were saying we think Jana's our very first out-of-town guest, so we're going big places. We're so excited. (laughs) All the way from Denver. Yes, we're so happy you're here, and thank you for making time on your Eat, Pray, Love vacation to come here and share your story with us. What are some things you've done while you're here? I have been to the San Diego Safari Park and then I got to eat an acai bowl and tacos, and I love to eat. So Amazing. that's the eat part of the eat, pray, love. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, we're super excited to hear your story and super grateful for your heart to want to share it with people in hopes that it can help anyone that's listening. Um, and you have such insightful things to share. So I don't want to take any more time away from it. So please go ahead and share your story with us. Awesome. Well, today I wanted to talk about clinging to God in trial, but before I dive in, let me give you a little bit of background on my story. I grew up in an amazing family that loved God and raised me to love Him too. I was baptized as a young teenager, and as the years rolled on, I grew closer and closer to God. I went to college at Colorado State University and met and married my husband young before he had even graduated from college. I was very happy and very much in love. My life was simple, comfortable, and blessed. And overall, I had never truly experienced suffering. Since my husband and I had both been completely pure until our wedding day, I saw our life together as reaping the natural rewards that come with following God's plan. And then one Sunday morning toward the end of 2018, my husband sat me down and told me that he had been living a double life for years. He told me he did not want to follow God anymore and that he did not want to be married to me anymore. To say I was shocked and heartbroken feels lame and underwhelming. We were quite involved in our church, and to this day there's not one person I know who does not look at my story with complete and utter shock. My life had been flipped upside down. All of my dreams and the things that made my life predictable were suddenly gone. Our future together, financial security, having children one day, all of it was destroyed in one insane and unexpected moment. For weeks, it felt as if I was trapped in some crazy nightmare that any minute I would wake up and roll over and he would be there to kiss away the remnants of my unpleasant dream. But soon I realized that what I thought was reality had actually been a lie. He wasn't coming back, and the life that I thought was beautiful and blessed was never actually real. It was then that I faced one of the most important decisions of my life. How was I going to process and view this new loss? Who was I going to blame if I chose to blame anyone at all? 
Bad things happen in life, no matter who you are. Jobs get lost. Dreams get shattered. The test results come back positive. Loved ones die. Spouses leave. The question is not, will tragedy strike? The question is, what will you do when it does? I knew that either I would cling to God and walk with him through this sorrow, however long and painful that walk was, or I would roll over and die spiritually, and so die in every other way. There was no other option. Divorce happens even in the church, and it was happening to me. So would I cling to God or quit and throw in the towel? For me, I knew as soon as I asked myself that question that I had to cling to God. I felt that if I didn't have divinity holding my heart, it would shatter completely and I would die or go crazy. So I chose to cling to God. Now, this is certainly easier said than done. Mm -hmm. It's not like I went through divorce praying for five minutes at the beginning of the day and then going about my business as usual. Many hours and days were spent weeping on the bathroom floor. There were many days that my only goal was to stay alive and endure the rejection and pain for just five more minutes. But I knew that if I could just cling to the hem of God's cloak, there would come a day when I no longer wept over this loss and I would laugh and enjoy life again. If you're listening today and are going through suffering, let me just tell you, you are not alone. I have prayed and thought about you through this whole time. Suffering is suffering, no matter what kind you endure. And even if the ocean of grief in front of you feels overwhelming, you can cling to God and walk with him through it. Today, I came to give you some very practical steps that you can take to cling to God during trials. This is certainly not a comprehensive list, and some of these things might not work for you. But the following tools helped me during my time of great sorrow to cling to God no matter what. If you're having a difficult time feeling his presence in your life, I would encourage you to try these and see how God starts to reveal himself. The first tool to cling to God in trial is to know and continuously remind yourself that God is only good. James 1, 13 through 17 says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God does not tempt us. He does not want us to sin. It's our own evil desires that tempt us and lead us to sin, and consequently, death. Sometimes, the sins of others can usher death into our own lives. For me, I needed to see and understand that the soul-level rejection I had experienced as a result of my divorce was because of the sin of another, not because of God. God didn't prevent this from happening to me because he offers the gift of free will to everyone. This gift comes at a price, though. 
it means that sin happens, and because of that, death happens. We live in a fallen world in which bad things happen. People hurt and abuse one another. Disease runs rampant. Natural disasters destroy. The fact is, we do not belong here. Satan's ultimate goal is to deceive us into thinking that the evil sorrows of life come from God. But we must not be deceived by him. Only goodness comes from God. The amazing thing about God is that he can take horrible tragedy caused by the fall of humankind and bring good out of it. In my story, God used my divorce to shape me into a new creation, closer and more dependent on him than ever before. And my story is far from over. If you're struggling with believing in the goodness of God, I would encourage you to study it out. Here are a few scriptures that you can read at a later time that talk about God's goodness. Exodus 34, verse 6. Psalm 23, verse 6. Psalm 34, verse 8. 15, 17 through 19. Psalm 145, verse 9. Nahum 1, verse 7. Matthew 7, verse 11. 1 John 1, verse 5, Romans 8, 28. Take the time to study this out until it is a deeply held conviction in your heart. The second tool for clinging to God in trial is to find your anchor scriptures. When everything fell apart, I knew that whatever I repeated to myself would become what I believed. Mm -hmm. After so much rejection, I knew that if I didn't fill my head with God, I would start to believe all of the lies that Satan was feeding me about how unworthy of love I was. So I started posting one thought of the day on Instagram every day. Although it was public, it was really for my benefit. Sharing that thought with others reminded me to come back to it every time I checked my social media. Here are a few of my favorite scriptures that I clung to during this last season. John 11, 1 through 44. This is the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Instead of preventing Lazarus from dying, Jesus actually allows it to happen with the intention of raising him back to life so that God could be glorified. But before he brings justice and healing to their situation, Jesus takes the time to weep with Mary and Martha. I knew that one day God would bring justice and redemption to my situation. I knew he would give me back all of my dreams and then some. But until then, I clung to the fact that every time I wept with my face on the bathroom floor, he was weeping with me. He had been rejected just as I had, and he gets rejected every day by billions of people that he loves and died for. Not only does God hear my cry when I pray to him, he knows my pain and he weeps with me. Proverbs 31 verse 25 says, she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Grief often goes hand in hand with intense anger, especially when our pain is the result of someone else's sin. Mm. I knew from the beginning that I had to decide how I was going to treat the one that hurt me moving forward. I made a decision to make every effort to act with strength and dignity, no matter what unfolded. 
Nehemiah 8 verse 10 says, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I resolved that even if nothing good ever happened to me again, God was enough. The joy that he supernaturally gives me when we are together is my strength. My strength is not in my life circumstances or earthly blessings. It is in the joy that he alone gives me. This last scripture is talking about how to handle divorce in the kingdom. Even back then, it happened, and Paul addressed it. He says in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 12 and 13, If any brother has a wife who's not a believer and she's willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he's willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. And then down in verse 15. But if the unbeliever leaves, let it be so. The brother or the sister is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. For me, this last verse became both a life raft and a high calling. Divorce comes with a lot of shame. I've often said that sometimes it feels like I wear a scarlet D. But in my situation, God has called me to move on from this and to live in peace. I need not be ashamed or worried about it anymore, and I need to be at peace with this part of my story. Whatever your situation is, find your verses. Cling to them like life rafts and say them over and over again until you believe them with your whole heart. My last tool for clinging to God in trial is to lean on your tribe. From the minute my world came crashing down, I threw myself into the arms of my community. Within 30 minutes after my husband told me he was leaving me, my best friends were encircling me in prayers, hugs, and tears. We were created to be in community in both the good times and the bad. Proverbs 17, verse 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Proverbs 18, 24 says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Who are the people in your life who stick closer than a brother? Jesus had 12 disciples, but he also had his three very best friends. Who are yours? Do you have people that you would call if your world fell apart? Are you that person for someone else? Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Do you have people that can help you when you fall? If you don't, I would strongly encourage you to invest your time and resources in those relationships. God uses the people in our lives to bring us his healing. I am not joking when I say that if it wasn't for my community, I would not have a car, clothes, a job, food, or a home. (laughs) All of those things in my life were given to me by the incredible church family that God has placed me in. If you're going through a hard time, cling to your people. And if you aren't going through a hard time, invest in your people. Mm -hmm. 
you never know when life might take an unexpected turn and you need to call on those relationships. My friends, no matter where you are or what is happening in your life, cling to God. Choose him because he alone can bring healing to any wound and joy to any heart. He certainly has done so in my story. Since last year, God has brought so much life to a seemingly dead situation. I can honestly say that I've never loved God, my loved ones, or myself more than I do now. And I've never lived as fully as I do now. I think that when you stare your worst fear in the face and thrive through it, it's a lot easier to stay positive when little inconveniences arise like traffic or long lines at Target. (laughs) While the last chapter of my story did end in tragedy, this new chapter has been one of possibility, laughter, and adventure. I'm just so grateful for the miracles that God has done in my heart and life. Wow, thank you for sharing. I love your genuineness and raw vulnerability. Thank you so much. Of course. I so appreciate how you share so much about clinging to God's goodness. Mm-hmm. And you shared how it's kind of been a roller coaster and mm-hmm. sometimes you're really good and then sometimes you're back on the bathroom floor mm-hmm. crying, which is such a visual that I think we can all relate with. Um, what are some things that helped you cling to God's goodness and stay there? I think for me, it was really important to read literature outside Mm. of just the Bible. So I had my anchor scriptures, but then, um, I also had anchor thoughts that I went to. Pinterest is amazing. Um, (laughs) really Pinterest is awesome and can be such a tool having quotes from other people that have that are alive now that have gone through things similar to you. I also read two books that helped me a lot. So the first book that I read was It's Not Supposed to Be This Way by mm. Lisa Turkhurst. Amazing. It's such a great book. If you are going through, if you've ever had a disappointment in your life, please read that book. It's really, <laughs> really great. And then the second book that I read that really helped me was Finding Your Path to Forgiveness by Linda Brumley. Yes, we love Um, her. Yes, she is amazing. (laughs) And that book is just, it does actually have a chapter that talks about kind of how to process things like um, illness and natural disasters, things that aren't seemingly a direct result of sin. Mm -hmm. So I highly recommend those two books. They really helped me. Um, just to know that, yeah, that God is only good and that, that bad things happen. Um, but yeah, that, that God really, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Yeah. That's amazing. And you gave us such an amazing wealth of scriptures to dive into. I am excited to dive in deeper to that. And those books sound incredible. And your friend group sounds amazing. Um, what are some things that they did to help you through that maybe for those of us that aren't personally going through a season of suffering right now, but have a friend who is, what are some things that they did that really helped you or if there were things not to do, mm-hmm. um, what are some of those things that helped? You know, the biggest thing is they were just present mm-hmm. and they never tried to understand what was happening to me. They never tried to say, 
yeah, my breakup is just like your divorce, yeah. you know, or whatever. My grief is exactly like your grief. They were just present in my grief. They listened to me and there was nothing that I shared that surprised them. And that was really big because I think when we go through hardships, sometimes we have thoughts that are just from the devil. Mm-hmm. And when you say them out loud, they you don't actually believe them. But, you know, Satan just can get in there. And so mm-hmm. when I was open, just sharing with them, they believed me when I shared kind of where I was coming from and my view I never felt like they judged me or thought I was weird. They were just present with me in my pain, no matter what shape it took. Um, So I think that was really helpful. And if I can share too, just if you are... Something that was helpful for my friends that were kind of on the outer edges. So like there's an inner group that knows all of it, right? right? But then um, with these delicate situations you've got friends that don't know all the details. And Mm -hmm. that group was so helpful to me as well. And the biggest thing they did for me is that they just, they didn't assume. Mm -hmm. They didn't assume um, anything about my situation and didn't try to kind of guess what had happened. They just were there for me with however much I was ready to share with them. Mm -hmm. So that helped me to feel not judged by them. Um, And like if I needed to get open with them, if I needed that level of intimacy, they were there for me but didn't push it on me. So, Yeah, that's really helpful. Thank you. And your whole story is so inspiring and brings so much light to those of us that have gone through suffering and and we all will at some point. So thank you for having the heart to want to share. And thank you for those of you that are listening and we hope that it found you and touched your heart and is helping you this week. Thank you. Bye. We are one.